Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and nerds of all ages, welcome to Views from the Back of the Class. I am Jamal Buckner, but you can call me JB, and I'm here with my mans. What's up, nerds? It's Josh. How you guys doing? Josh, I'm bored, man. That's how I'm doing. (laughs) It is very hard to stay engaged during these uh, quarantine, socially distanced, uh, shelter-in-place, whatever you want to call it, times. Like... I probably spent a good 40 minutes just looking at the, you know, the login screen on Netflix where it asks you which profile you are. Because <laughs> I was <laughs> I was just like, do I even feel like, like watching anything? That's like the laziest thing when you don't know if you want to watch something. Oh, boy. It's, uh, what day is it? I, uh... Uh, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's like still 2020, though. Oh, it's never going to not be 2020. I've I've come to realize that now. Oh, this is the longest year in like the history of humanity. Indeed. And somebody pointed out, I believe that this is a leap year as well. It is, in fact, a leap year. Yeah, so it's going to be like the longest, crappiest year ever. Congratulations, everyone. Well, this is starting off to a, a chipper <laughs> on a chipper note. Oh, you're right. Let's uh, let's turn that frown upside down. Or let's put a <laughs> smile on that face. Why so serious? That's all we're going to do for like the next hour. Let's just quote lines from comic book movies and I am certain go from there. I'm certain that people want to hear that. Oh, I'm sure. That's what you guys love. You love when we quote movies. I mean, the what happens to a frog when it's struck by lightning. And well, that's just iconic. That one had to come up. It, it, <laughs> rightly so. I mean, you can't talk X-Men without bringing that one up. Or this one. I'm the juggernaut. Oh, my God. That video used to be super funny. It still is funny if you give it time, but... Oh, man. The last stand. Terrible. Through and through. I think we're going negative again. Let's... Uh, <laughs> let's... let's uh, yeah, we may have to cut this. Here. This is pretty bad to start off. <laughs> so, in the news... <laughs> I wish I had better news. So, SDCC at home came out and it was... You know, had mixed reviews or... or moderate success um some might say not great success at all i suppose it depends on how you measure it Mm -hmm. the numbers that i saw was about fifteen thousand views i personally don't know that i would count that as a success for for something as large as that but i'm not the person that's counting that right i'm not the one that has the metrics to say what is what makes it a success or not I'm just a dude, (laughs) but 15,000 for... You're just a dude with a microphone, which means you're a dude with something to say. Right. Which means that what you have to say is important. Obviously, 
because they don't just give microphones to anybody, man. No, you can't just like go on Amazon and just order these things. No, no. You need like special clearance and crap. You know, I think it's just subjective. I've been seeing that trending since it ended about the viewerships and some of the panels and the videos that were released being averaging around 15,000 per and the lack of buzz and social media mentions and and how that's measured uh, being like dwindling down each day. And for me, and I'm not, I don't think I'm usually one of those like glass half full kind of people, but for me, I don't, I don't think failure is the right word. I mean, it's not gonna, it's not gonna capture the same kind of buzz as something that's, that's in person. We're all in the comfort of our home or sheltering with friends or something. And it's just not the same as being somewhere and with other people. Similar to movies that are launched at home. Like, yes, I like watching a movie at home. It's comfortable. You know, I don't have to worry about just different things. When you go out, you're a little bit more comfortable. You feel a little safer at home. But there's things where if a movie was released at home, yes, I want to see it. But I think it would be a different experience at first seeing it live or seeing it in theaters than watching it at home. Another example of that is like Hamilton on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Watching it at home is cool, but when you see it in person too, there's there's something there. So I don't th- I think when it comes to SDCC at home, if they're getting about fifteen thousand people per panel, I think that's pretty respectable. In real life, you would have a fraction of that because of the space that's available, even in a Hall H, which is like the the largest one. I don't even think it has a capacity for that many people. But, you know, you're watching something that's that was filmed ahead of time and there's not a lot of uh, fan interaction and it's a new medium to everybody. So was stuff smooth for the most part? I mean, there was a hiccup with Paramount and YouTube and then there was technical issues on some of one of the ones I, I saw because it was a like a connection issue where just people had, you know, had to ask, you know, what'd you say? What'd you say? But that's the the world we're living in and i will i'm not going to kick the organizers for trying to do something for the fan base during this time because they could have just canceled and be like hey we're we're not going to do anything you guys are sol but they gave it they gave it a good shot and i think hopefully they don't have to do something like this again but i'm pretty sure if they they did it would be better now i don't know if it it's still not going to compare to in person, but I think the online experience and stuff, it was, if it was more interactive, maybe it would have been, it would have resonated a little bit better with people. Yeah, I could see that. I think at this point too, what you were talking about as far as Netflix and you were sitting there trying to figure out what to watch, like, I think we're at a point where most of us are just kind of over it, right? You can only watch so much. And if you're working from a screen and being entertained by a screen and now this is, I mean, it's certainly another form of entertainment and it's, you know, informative. It's not exactly the kind that we know and love. It's, you know, not possible to happen right now. Um, I think a lot of people just checked out because just the timing of it is like, look, I, at least for myself, right, it, there was... um. I didn't spend as much time with it as I initially planned that I would just because I had to 
disconnect from screens. Like I had enough. <laughs> no, uh, Zoom fatigue is like, it's a real thing. Even when I was watching some of the panels and stuff, and then I realized I didn't have to watch them. They were just released at that time, and I can go back. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't have to have this on in the background while I'm doing something else and, you know, listen to it and then switch over when it sounds interesting. I can I can watch it at my own leisure, so, in which I'm still doing with some of them. Um, last I checked, they were still up. I think it was a weird experiment, but I think to, for me personally, for people to be you know, on Twitter and Instagram saying it was a failure. I think that's a little harsh. I mean, your, your expectations are, have to be, you know, tempered down a little bit too. And like you said, you have to assess the, the environment. We're looking at screens 24 seven. We're at home 24 seven. We're looking at the same four walls 24 seven. So this may help break it up a, a little bit, but not enough where it's, makes it feel different i guess yeah no i can see that i mean we'll see uh, what the next thing is i suppose (laughs) we'll see how it (laughs) kind of unfolds because there are other there are other cons you know sdcc was obviously the largest of them Mm -hmm. and maybe other people will learn from what didn't necessarily go right with these panels and perhaps do something different. But I would definitely encourage people, you know, check out the the panels that may interest you. Uh, The good thing about it being in a digital format as opposed to live is that if you were, well, one, you get an opportunity to see it. But also, even if you got, you know, Zoom fatigue or or, or screen fatigue, like I kind of was talking about for myself, it's there when you're ready for it. And you don't have to watch them all at once, right? Maybe you just watch one panel and that'll be your screen time for that time if you're kind of disconnecting for a while. But I think it is important to still show support to, you know, the panels because they're not all from the big houses, right? There's a lot of interesting people out there. Um, I'll shout out uh, Victor Dangerous Jr., for instance. Like, he's a dope creator and uh, we met him at a con, what, last year or was it the year before? Must have been last year. He was a cool dude. You know, he, he, mm-hmm. he'll chop it up with us for a little while and kind of explained his work. And, you know, he's a good follow on Instagram. So I'm, I was looking forward to Absolutely. So looking forward to what he was doing, among others. Um, He was just the first one that came to mind for me. But these people are out there. So support them. You know, they spent their time and, and effort to entertain and, and in a lot of cases to educate us. So let's take advantage of it. Even if you're doing so on your own terms. Right. Speaking of doing things on your own terms. So there's a new animated film coming out from DC, which, you know, DC animated universe, unlike their live action, has actually been dope for like ever, like decades of of really good material. So they are now doing a animated version of the classic Batman story, uh, A Death in the Family, which deals with the fate of Jason Todd. Or I guess I could say the death of it because it's in the title. It's not really a spoiler from something, what, <laughs> 32 years ago. Right. Pretty popular storyline. Yeah, yeah. A few people may have heard of it. Wait, there's more than one Robin? What? <laughs> I thought it was Dick Grayson. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, Jason was a part-time Robin. <laughs> That's terrible. But yeah, they uh, it's pretty funny though. Re- uh, released a trailer for it. Um, but what's different about this one is apparently like a, a like the old school choose your own adventure books. So it's a situation where you get to kind of interact with the trailer, which uh, I don't know how I feel about that. It's I, I think it's unusual to say the least. I. So I like how you said, you know, like the old school choose your own adventure books, because I feel like I was thinking about it earlier and I'm like, I'm not I'm not a child, so I'm not really too keen on the choose your own adventure stuff. The things that have happened recently with them have been interesting to an extent, but it's not something where I'm like, um, I, I really want to do this. You know what I want to see? Death in the family, but I get to choose what happened. Like, I don't I don't care. Not that I don't care. It just doesn't appeal to me. And then the storyline that they're doing, you know, of course, it's pretty, it's iconic. It's one of probably one of the more recognizable Batman stories out there. But they just did Under the Red Hood a couple years back. And this it was actually like from, 10 years ago. So it wasn't that that recent. Yeah. But in animation time and what they're doing with that, it seems it just seems too too soon for something like that and yeah. i'm just not interested in it even the choose your own aspect of it i'm not i'm just not interested in seeing it again uh, i i wish they would have because i do have a lot of faith and I, I know i crack on dc a lot but i do have a lot of faith in them in regards to the animated the movies yeah, even the tv shows i kind of wish they just did did something different i don't want to pick if Jason Todd lives or dies or whatever. I've seen the story. I know the outcome. I know he lives and... Well, he didn't live I'm at the okay end of the story. With... No, yeah. And that's another thing, too. It's kind of like... I know it's a cornerstone of the industry of killing people and bringing them back and... But sometimes, you know, some people... Well, not some people need to stay dead, but... I just feel like bringing characters back sometimes is just not not the great thing to do. It just makes things a little bit more convoluted in what's already a convoluted storyline or or continuity. Yeah, but that's that's never going to go away. I mean, just because of how the industry goes. Right. It, you know, goes through these cycles and you have, you know, Silver Age, DC and, and mm-hmm. you know, the new 52 and the new new 52. And one year later, it's like. You keep getting right. these reboots and, you know, some things stay the same. Some things go by the wayside. So it's difficult to expect that you would not see these things take place, especially with we'll, we'll take Jason Todd as the example, since that's what we're talking about. Like he had an, a, a complete evolution based on his new introduction. And he's, you know, more popular than he ever had been. Mm-hmm. Like he was not well liked as Robin. People weren't feeling him, which is how he died in the first place. <laughs> which is kind of why I think this whole choose your own adventure thing is kind of weird, too, because that was how it the went down to begin with. Yeah. Like right. people voted for a child to die in a Batman story. Yeah. These are your parents. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I'm glad that I can safely say that I was not a part of this. I was literally a child at this point. So. Yeah, I don't even think I was born yet. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, this is that's that's wild. So to put that in the hands of people again, I I just found that to be strange. And I'm, I yeah. I have no no opposition to the concept of interactive trailers or choosing your own adventure. I think that I actually think that is an untapped market with some untapped potential. You talked about not being a child and you know not really wanting to rock with it in that way. I think that there is an audience for that. With adult themes, it doesn't have to be a kid's story. Mm-hmm. I could see that working out with an adult-themed storyline, like a novel, you know, just whatever mystery or crime novel with a choose-your-own-adventure twist. Like, I think that could be interesting. I think it could be, too, but I think it depends on the medium. No doubt. Also, I think it depends on, like, the timing. So for me, I think it's more timing in that like you were mentioning earlier about screen fatigue and Zoom fatigue and all this being in front of a, a screen 24-7 or a larger percentage of time than we have been. Because it's funny because I'll get like a weekly rundown of like my screen time and stuff. And it's like, you're up 40% from last year. And it's like, yeah, because <laughs> I don't freaking leave my house. Right. But like in a novel or something like that, I think I'd be more keen to it. A uh, movie or a show—that's uh, not how I how I want to really interact with it. It could just be because I'm just not in the mood to deal with it right now. But in the future, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, this is great." I don't know, but I think if it were like if it were a book or a comic or something, I probably right now I'd probably be more on board with it than than this. But I think maybe if it was a different story, I'd probably be more on board with it too. But this one, I'm kind of just like. Oh, Robin dies. Is it a 30-minute movie instead of, you know, an hour and a half? I don't know. Well, I don't even know if it would have to be... I don't know how interested I would be, like you said, based on the the medium. I don't know that I would care too much for that format via comic characters. That I don't know that that really moves me in that way. Until... DC relaunches again with New 53 and then you choose how what happens. And yeah, I won't be choosing that. <laughs> uh, not to get too off topic, but I kind of am tired of like the relaunches too and how they're doing it. It's like, you know what? We we already have a multiverse that exists in these universe. Just move over to a new universe. Just say, hey, you know, the stories in 616 are done. We're going to go explore 613. Um... That'll be dang near impossible, man. The moment you do something like that, you change, make a change that drastic and you're going to lose a large percentage of your fan base. Like people don't like change like that. So that would be hard to swallow. And it it's yeah, but such a, a weird back and forth with that because people hate change. But then when things get stale, they hate that, too. Mm-hmm. So the companies are kind of forced to adjust their tactics, but still keep enough of the things that people love so that they'll keep spending money right but that's the thing too is that you have these parallel universes where a lot of the same events take place but like let's say for instance everything you know and love about superman is not really going to change except i don't know he dates lana longer or something like that or at this period of time we're picking up the story he's not yet with lois he's still with lana just different things like that like whatever stories you want to explore 
to me, it's less confusing or convoluted to just say, okay, we're in a new universe. Kind of like the what ifs, when they used to do the what ifs publications. We're in a new universe. These are the rules for this universe. Not really that different from, from what you know and love, but we're going to, this gives us the freedom to explore this story without really having to mess up the continuity for the main universe or something like that. Yeah. But the moment that that starts to happen, you'll get the, the people who are, they're not feeling that, right? Like, like oh, no, Superman's supposed to be with Lois and this thing with Lana and, you know, that's not my Superman. And eventually you'll end up back at the main universe. So I, I, I get it. It's, yeah, it's just a difficult balance, man. It, it's, it's really hard to pull off. Yeah. The reboots annoy me, but I understand it as the cost of doing business. Oh, just like bringing the Watchmen characters into the DC universe was like... Exactly. That was kind of the point that I was going to make with that is they they had to introduce them somehow. And how do you introduce these characters without a complete reboot? And I imagine it's going to be the same thing if and when Milestone ever comes back. Hmm. Guess we'll just see how they handle it when they do. Right. So that brings us to our main topic of the evening, which I'm going to preface this by saying it's not the most pleasant thing in the world, but it's real. Like this is something that's taken place. We've we've touched on it before. I can get uncomfortable. I get it. This isn't your cup of tea. We'll see you on the next episode. But I, I encourage you guys to stick around because sometimes those uncomfortable conversations are the ones where we learn stuff. Neither Josh nor I profess to be professionals in any arena uh, no. least of all anything <laughs> around any level of seriousness but that said we'll dive into some of the recent events around comic gate and and some of the pushback that's taking place comic gate is not a new thing by any means but uh, there have been a couple of newsworthy items that have come up in the last few weeks surprise surprise you know considering the state of the world and people being called to the carpet for things that they have said, done, uh, influenced, uh, accepted. It's a high time for that. And inevitably, you'll get pushback from that, right? That's, you know, power doesn't concede anything. And one of the more popular ways, and probably because it works, tactics that people will use are to, you know, discredit folks. You know, we'll label them. Or do anything that that can be done to make them dismissive, right? We'll label anyone with a complaint uh, SJWs, right? And all those SJWs, they just want this or that, and, and without ever taking the time to listen to the individual speaking. So I, I think you get things like Comic Gate spinning out of that. Yeah, this is a something that you know initially I think we've been we've been talking about doing an episode like this since we started doing the show and kind of would push it off because it's like well maybe it'll go away like it'd spark up in the news and then be like okay maybe it'll die down like maybe people will start acting like they have since again and blah 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 and it's like nope has not happened unfortunately and yeah i think it's a topic that it's a deep dive you know into this so if you're really interested in it do some reading i mean you google comics gate and you'll get a plethora of articles Uh, my suggestion is to stick to the more reputable sites that touch on the subject and you have legitimate news sites who've reported on it 
then you have more of the respect to like sci-fi um, websites that have reported on it. And, you know, as with anything, I think in order to make an informed opinion about something, you have to know about what, what it is. And I think this is a viewpoint and a position that has layers like an onion to quote Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was just, and I was just bragging about how I'm not a child, but it's associated with the nasty side of the fandom for good cause. But we're dive into that throughout the, the remainder of the episode. But I just want to, if you're not familiar with Comics Gate and what it is, if you go to the Wikipedia page, well, this that's is what it always says. a credible source of information. <laughs> it's better than some. No doubt. You can at least look at where the sources came from. True. It says Comics Gate is a campaign in opposition to perceived forced diversity and progressivism in North American superhero comics, including the creators hired, the characters depicted, and the stories told, which proponents argue has led to a decline in both quality and sales. Its members present it as a consumer protest, primarily advocating their views on social media. Some have produced books intended to reflect the group's values. It has been described by critics as part of the alt-right movement, and as a harassment campaign which targets women, people of color, and LGBT folk in the comic book industry. It has been blamed by critics for the vandalism of one store and threats of violence against others. So that's kind of like a high-level view of, of what Comicsgate is, according to Wikipedia and the sources, the 11 sources from the first paragraph. So if you're unfamiliar with it and haven't experienced it, good for you. <laughs> but you kind of right. get an idea of the topic that we're we're diving into tonight. What I will say about this, this is not a new concept, right? This is, I mean, the movement itself, if if that's what it's to be referred to as, it's not new. It's, it's several years old, and it, I guess it kind of spun out of like GamerGate. But this idea of you know forced diversity is not a new concept at all. Like this has been. Mm -hmm baked into certainly American culture in general, but that's mm -hmm. a much larger discussion. But within, I'll keep my comments limited strictly to superhero comics. It's been a thing forever. I mean, it just kind of yeah. rears its head every so often, right? When it was the introduction of Falcon and Black Panther in the 60s and the positioning of Storm in the 70s and 80s, we move into the digital age, late 90s, early 2000s, and, you know, message boards are becoming a way for people to communicate. And you're starting to see a community build a little bit more. I think about when Dwayne McDuffie, when he was working on Justice League, like just the sheer volume of hatred that, that I used to see this dude have to endure on these message boards. I, I certainly was a part of those communities as well, because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be involved. I wanted to have the same type have of conversations we're having now. And I'm like, wow, these wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you that upset about, you know, Vixen being on a justice league? Like, why is that so threatening or, or problematic for you? Yeah. It was pretty eye opening. Yeah. It's out of a playbook. That's, 80 years old or older longer than that <laughs> you know people i understand people being frustrated with certain things and i think there's 
like I said, this is a, a complicated subject that you just can't be like, this is what it is, because it's it's not just one thing. As with a lot of different movements, you know, you have different sides within that movement. You have different pieces of an organization, and some are way, 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 way worse than others. And sometimes others get looped or grouped into into it because of a certain position that they stand. So for Comicsgate, some positions are like this, the, the forced diversity and there was issues with taking characters who are male and white and remaking them as uh, minority and or minority and female or, or whatever. And there's issues with some of the messages that have been in comics in recent years or the way those messages have become more and more political to an extent. And some people argue that, you know, comic books should be apolitical and uh, should avoid the topics from the real world and should be a form of escapism and all these other things. And I can understand where people are coming from in that argument to an extent. So, but that argument's only so strong as that were you not paying attention to comics from the 30s and the 40s when comics were hitting their heyday and World War II was a thing and Captain America's punching Hitler in the front of a comic strip? That's political commentary on what's happening in the real world. Were you not paying attention through the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the 80s as civil liberties are becoming more mainstream. So comics have always been, good and bad, a commentary on what's happening in the world. And not just comic books, but art, music, uh, movies, film. They're all a commentary or a form of expression of what's happening in the real world. So you can't really say that, hey, this should be apolitical because your story the story that's being pinned is a response to something that's happened in the real world. I'll give you an example with Superman, Red Sun. Of course, Superman is an alien and they don't exist. That's my position on that. If you guys ever wondered, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, he was written in a way to stand for quote unquote American values, um, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, work hard, white picket fences, all that stuff. And some, you know, writers, they went back to the drawing board and thought about it. And they're like, hey, what would Superman be if these values weren't instilled in him? And let's say he wasn't raised in the United States in in small town America in Kansas where, and he was raised in under the the Soviet Union. That's a storyline directly impacted by real world events. Because there was a night and day comparison between Western civilization and then the Soviet Union, communism and and democracy. And in order to write a story like that, you have to think about, okay, what do we do if we take the world's most popular being and make him foreign to us, make him have different beliefs than us? That could be scary. Right. That's something that's directly influenced by real world events you know it wasn't written during the height of the cold war it was written after the cold war had ended 
But I guess what I'm getting at or what I'm just trying to say is that the the two in, have always been hand in hand. Now, has it always been as apparent that they were hand in hand? I mean, to me, it kind of has. And, and not just in comic books, but even in movies and um, other other mediums. You know, you read a, a book about espionage and, and deals with politics. That was written in a response to something that happened in the real world. It's like, oh, this thing happened? Hmm, I wonder how this would have been handled if XYZ did this or that, or if we had, you know, a president who did this instead of that or whatever. It's all part of a commentary on real life. So I don't think the argument that it should be apolitical holds up 100%. But, you know, there are other issues that they have, too, that are just kind of like just out there, just kind of overtly ridiculous, like the harassment of people, the harassment of of uh, businesses and putting people's lives in danger because they don't agree with them or or uh, are trying to quote unquote suppress them if you believe in in free speech and all these other things so much but at the same time if i'm a comic shop owner or a distributor or whatever and i i have every right to say what i want to sell in my store and i don't and if you have an issue with that cool you can have an issue with it but you shouldn't shouldn't threaten me you shouldn't threaten my family you shouldn't post my employees information online and tell people to harass them so there there are other things too that this group of people and and people associated with them um are doing that's just really really you know to put it mildly uncool that's putting it very mildly (laughs) and I, i can appreciate you you know discussing this with some tact i ain't got that <laughs> what it what it appears to boil down to for me is um there are people who are feeling threatened or squeezed out of an industry in one way or another um due to the consumer's demand for more representation I mean, the world revolves. And when I say the world, I'm just talking about the uh, superhero genre or superhero comics as a whole uh, revolves around white men. Now, there are certainly notable examples of heroes who are quite beloved, who are not that. But by and large. It is white men who are the characters these are the the protagonists these are the heroes um and the moment that there starts to be a shift in any way uh people feel threatened by that which kind of baffles me because one this is all make-believe anyway right so that's the first part of it (laughs) but beyond that it's not as though any of the characters that exist are being erased it's just giving opportunities for other stories to be told or other perspectives to be explored, which, in my opinion, just makes for a richer tapestry, man. You, you, there's room for all points of views to be expressed or at least have an opportunity to be presented. And I guess to say every point of view is a bit of a stretch because there are just some people that, you know, we don't necessarily need to hear from. 
Right. Uh, but just in general terms, right? It doesn't have to be so pigeonholed to continue to portray these in this very specific viewpoint or this very narrow window of people that we get to see as heroic. And beyond that, right, the seeing it on the pages and on screen, uh, having that diversity reflected, people were also calling for the things happening behind the scenes. There needed to be more representation as it relates to artists and writers and editors, you know, decision makers, so that it could be more reflective of the audience that's actually consuming this content. And it seems to me that the Comicsgate uh, position is uh, basically shut up and take it. <laughs> Why are you forcing me to have to read about Cassandra Kane? What's wrong with Barbara Gordon? Like that, that was a big, 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 big deal back in the day. And Barbara Gordon wasn't even Batgirl at the time. Uh, she right. was still Oracle and it was, it was a huge thing. And now she is back to being Batgirl and, and you know, Cassandra's a different character, which is fine. You know, there's no issue there, but it, it was, it's amazing to me how small minded people can be and how fragile a person's sense of self becomes when you have an opportunity to see something that maybe was just a little bit different than what you expected. Now, I'm not saying you got to like it, right? You don't like it. You don't like it. It's, it's fine. Everything isn't for everybody. But this this idea that somehow the sky is falling because there's a, a black or an Asian or a, a Latinx or, you know, Arab American or Southeast Asian or whatever you see you know, some representative of the world that we actually live in, right? These people actually exist. Right. These people walk around, so why wouldn't there be a certain number of them in comics? Be, or exactly. In stories? Exactly. In, and and to hold just as a villain or mm-hmm. you know, as someone who's saved or whatever. Or the sassy best friend. Right. <laughs> yeah, I I get you. I think it all is uh, from a playbook that's I feel is way past its prime. And I don't know. It's looking for that comeback, Jack. No, I know. But I'm just saying the, the playbook should be should be de- dead and gone. Or and it's just applied to the, to this medium. I think they're, you know, going back to the representation thing and the people who are upset at the Cassandra Canes out there replacing the Barbara Gordons and not really even replacing them. Like you said, she wasn't even bad girl at the time. It's all artistic expression. The way Batman is set up, especially now, is that Batman can be anyone. He does not have to be the Bruce Wayne. He's he's more interesting when he's Bruce Wayne, I think, because I think Bruce Wayne is actually Batman. But whoever wears that cow to all onlookers is Batman. That's fine. Um, if you want to get upset because Bruce Wayne's no longer Batman, get upset. He was a great character. He's an interesting character. You can do a lot with him. You can address a lot with him psychologically, even though they seem to be overly fixated on the Joker, but that's my opinion. Right. But that's fine. The people who are upset about X-23 become Wolverine, the changes to the Hulk and Thor and all these other things because of what it is, Spider-Man becoming a woman and stuff. It's stupid. I kind of get it. You know what I mean? Like, I what I want to say, I kind of get is I don't. I'll probably get some flack for this, but hopefully you guys understand what I'm saying. You might get it from me first. Oh, for sure. 
if it's going to come from you first more than anyway. <laughs> but years ago when uh, Bobby Drake came out as gay and it was like that makes no sense because the character from the entire history of that character it doesn't make any sense and then like for them to overnight be like, oh yeah, this guy's always been gay. It's like, no, the trail of breadcrumbs that you've left have not have not led up to this. You guys are... Right. It seems more like a, a knee-jerk reaction to be inclusive than actually something organic. So that's what I mean. Those kind of things where it's like, oh, we need a minority in the team. Hey, Gambit's now Creole. Those kind of things I, I understand when people would get upset about. Now, not because of them actually changing the race or orientation or whatever, but just because it seems to be have been done without real thought and just to kind of fit a mold. That I agree with. I don't think that there's a need for there to be a force to have it happen. And I even hate to use that that term because that's definitely something that they talk about is forced diversity. And I wish you could see me making air quotes right now. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> but there is a such thing as that, right? There is a such thing as as kind of shoehorning this in, and that's not what any reasonable person wants. People that want to see diversity or people that are champion diversity, you know what I ain't gonna speak for people. Me, I want to see diversity. I want to see inclusion, but I want to see it make sense. People, exactly, like human beings, are fully fleshed out. We're complicated. We're not one thing. And, you know, we have characters that have those rich backstories. I would like to see diversity reflected in that way. So rather than taking someone that currently exists in one way and just changing a a huge part of their character, why can't we just get a new character and give that character the same opportunities that, say, a Bobby Drake had? Mm-hmm. Don't give me black Superman, right? right? We got Superman. Give me someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why researching this, it's really complex because you you see people and they're, th- that's some of the arguments and they're, and they're uh, grouped into this comics gate as a whole. And not that I, I feel anything for them or anything like that, but I kind of like, well, your argument's not the type that I think of when I hear comic skate. When I hear comic skate, I think about the sexist, misogynistic, racist, whatever you want to call them, people who are perpetuating uh, hate for the sake of hate and violence and just really I'm trying to be so diplomatic with this. They don't deserve diplomacy, dude. Just say it. I know, but you know, when, when they go high, we don't go low. Uh, speak, speak for yourself. I'm just kidding. But no, uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's not who I think of. Like, I think if you're upset about that and because you want it to be organic and you want it to be natural, and you don't want it to just be a cheap gesture from a big conglomerate, then I think you, you do have a, you know, a right to be upset about that. You don't have a right to be upset about uh, female characters or, well, I won't say you don't have a right to be upset. You, you can do whatever you want. But to make a stink about a comic book written by a head writer and say she's unqualified. Right. With no basis. You can't do that. I mean, are you butthurt because you didn't get 
there's not Max enough to do it. There's not enough white dudes doing this. Yeah, it's like why why the hate? If somebody's been in the game as long as you have and they're just getting, you know, their first major title and you've had a mini series after mini series and blah 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 and all this other stuff and you're yeah, you're probably more qualified, but would you really want to be head writer or artist in something that is going to sell, you know, 5,000 copies a month? Here's the thing, though. Let's let's talk about qualifications. Experience or time served doesn't necessarily give you a, a qualification. What is the story that's being told? Mm-hmm. Like maybe I've been in the comics industry too long to have a fresh perspective, perhaps. Right. You know, the the requirements for this type of story maybe don't fit your skill set. And that's OK. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's about the story. It should be. It sh- right. It should be. And that's what's what's being attacked is the stories that are being told and why. Like they're, again, not going not backtracking, but frustration over overly political you know, headlines in a story. I can get I can understand, you know, you pick up a bad example, but you, you know, you pick up a Captain America and you're, you're getting information about, you know, warmongering or something like that. And you're like, you know, I don't want to read that. I just want to read Captain America saves the world from X, Y, Z. Again, terrible example, but you, I think you get what, what I'm saying. No, I think Captain America is actually a really good example because of the Nick Spencer run. So mm-hmm. you had the, basically it being split, right? You had Captain America, Sam Wilson, Captain America, Steve Rogers. Now, I'll admit that Nick went a little bit. <laughs> he went a little far with that when he basically turned Captain America into a Nazi. And mm. it was <laughs> it was a thing. <laughs> yeah, I found it interesting, but I could certainly see where, you know, people might feel that something was being shoehorned into the story. Mm. But here's the thing. It ain't like that was the only story that was available, right? If you didn't care to read the Nick Spencer run, that's a very short run compared to all of the Captain America stories that are out there. Right. No, I get you. And that's another thing, too, is like this group or the loudest. If you're a part of this group and you listen to us. Get at me. Like you. (laughs) What what I'm going to say. And you're like, wait, 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 what you're talking about? That's not me. That's not what I believe. Blah, blah, blah. Let us know. Prove it. This this is right, but this is a complex group and a complex thing that to tackle because it's so many different aspects of it. But if you're part of this group and and that's not what you wanna you wanna support and that's not what you wanna you you believe in, you know what the biggest the biggest way to talk about what you believe in and what you do and you don't is your wallet. Don't buy word, it. Word. Don't buy it. Don't spend your money on it. Tell your friends not to spend their money and give it their opinion, but at the same time you know, back up your argument. Don't just be like, this book is trash because it's written by a woman and she's unqualified. And the only reason she's got this is because, you know, it's a diversity hire. And Marvel wants to sell more comics to teenage girls and, and get readers out of them. First of all, if you love comic books and you love that form of storytelling, you should love the fact that you're bringing in more, more readers and younger readers. Because, but no, because this thing belongs to me. I want it. I want it to. I want it to, con- to continue being what it always was. It can't grow. It can't evolve. It can't include other people. It's all about me, because it's always been about me. 
into that, I, I will say, I had a boss who told me this, and he said, um, if you ever come to work and there's a day when you don't take anything away from it, it's time for you to leave. Mm. Maybe it's time for you to leave. Maybe comics isn't your thing anymore. And rather than tearing it down or tearing other people down, do your protest with your wallet and then go do the thing and make the thing you, you want. Make the thing you, you love to do. Tell the story you love to do. Right. There's other avenues out there. You don't have to do, it doesn't have to be, you know, Marvel and DC and Dark Horse and was IDW and, and the other big ones. You could go out there and still tell your stories. But I think the group is marge, is being, they're making themselves marginalized because of their position on things and how they're handling it. It's because the whole premise is BS to begin with. Like, I, I get where you're kind of coming from, and it sounds like, you know, it's a little more nuanced to them. to the position. And it's certainly a, a larger group of people. So you can't, it's not a monolith in any way. I get right. that. But as part of a larger discussion, it, it kind of is. Because if you are aligning yourself with that and the underlying message is one not of positivity, mm-hmm. then you got to take whatever else come with that because you chose this banner. Right. And guess what? That banner is going to lose. That remains to be seen, but it's going to lose it. And I will I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I believe it will lose. Anytime people, and I will say the majority because I know there are not, there are people who side with this who are outspoken and public about it. But anytime people feel a certain way about anything and they hide who they are, then that's not a good sign. You're never going to get traction in the shadows. And if you're too embarrassed to put your name on something to go after an actress or actresses for how they're portraying a character, writers or, or, or artists, and you can't do that in your own name, then that means you're ashamed or you know what you're doing is wrong. You're not going to get traction because the majority of the people will always be against you and will always stand up for for what is right so you know these the comic skate people yes they have a loud speaker they have a a megaphone but they have a megaphone in hall h that's only going to go so far and twitter and rotten tomatoes views and votes and stuff like that that only goes so far before people really realize like oh no this is just being bombed online or, or you know this is the spammer with a um, bunch of different fake accounts and stuff who's who's voting this stuff down it's not real people it's one dude with a hundred accounts or something so that's why I, I say you know the movement's getting bigger i mean this thing first popped up in like 2016 2017 it's three years later and it's still making news it's still making headlines so i'm not saying it's not growing or it doesn't have support but at the end of the day if you pit the people in comic skate against the people who don't support it and are against it, you're going to have more people who are against it and don't support it than people who do. I guess you're a little more optimistic than I. I try to be. Because I honestly... This pandemic f- has gotten to me. <laughs> 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 Giving us a new, uh, a new improved Josh, huh? Yeah. Only in recording, though. Um, I'll tell you how I really feel when we're done. Right. I think I just don't have the same level of confidence. I think that there are people who can certainly recognize... Um, how in poor taste 
a lot of the foundational ideas behind this are. And though they may agree with them, uh, it may not be all that profitable to publicly align themselves with it. And there are probably more of those people than perhaps we would want to admit. Mm -hmm. And it may not even be, you know, jumping in with both feet, but just, yeah, you know what? You guys have a point. Why does there have to be diversity at all? What was wrong with the the things that they were? And it's done in a very passive aggressive way. It's, It's really insidious because it's not always this overt thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's this quiet resentment that takes place that people may not even be able to recognize existing or why it exists, but is there. That's the thing that becomes the issue. And here's how it, it, it does affect more than, say, Rotten Tomato scores or, you know, online harassment, which people can in some ways escape. But if those same ideas continue to permeate the culture, then what happens is when I go into the comic book store, I'm not in a place where I'm necessarily comfortable. And that's how it's affected. So now this thing that, you know, is supposed to be a, a communal thing. And, and this is one of the things we talked about way in the beginning of starting this show is that was the thing that tied most people together. Right. You you had this thing that you dug that a lot of people didn't and you kind of build this community around it but now am i able to really fully and you know get involved in that Mm -hmm. so where does that leave someone like myself now me it leaves me wherever the heck i want to be because i don't care nothing about what you think (laughs) (laughs) i'm coming in there where i want to be but it's not always it's not always that easy right no i'll give you that that is a good example. I think I'm not not trying to again not trying to be the glass half full type or overly optimistic or anything like that. But that's truly a thing. You know the world we live in. That's thousand percent a thing where you know people real are, are smarter and realize you know what let me not uh, open my mouth because I like you know not having to uh, struggle <laughs> and I like being able to be hired for jobs and people coming into my store and spending their money. Right. But I don't know. You're, you're not going to tackle. I think one of the things too, that, that I tell myself for certain situations and with life in general, and when you disagree with people and it's big or small, a lot of the times you're not going to be able to change people's minds and stuff. And no, no. Once you accept that you eliminate a lot of the frustration, at least on your part. Cause yep. if you're like, you know what? If I can never convince you that uh, pineapple and pizza is good, I'm not going to waste my time and try to con- do it, convince you because I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to frustrate myself. You right. can believe that it's not good. I know that it's good. Whatever. We'll go our, our separate ways. And I'm I not going to let you bait me with this foolishness. <laughs> and I think that um, that's one way to look at this. You know, you have people who are doing their thing with what they have. And by what they have, I mean the editing, the writing, the art, male, female, doesn't really matter, who are being attacked by this group or people within this group. And they're doing their thing. And as long as they stand firm in their beliefs and unfortunately endure whatever harassment is thrown their way, they're going to win. 
now the people who the executive or whatever the editor in chief or whatever who is their boss or superior may feel the same way as Comicsgate, but he's not or the people who who are in this group but he's not interfering in their work and letting them do what they need to do then ultimately they're still going to win because they're doing they're being unhindered in what they're doing and i guess one way i look at it is this too in, in that when I, you know I was, I was saying that they're going to ultimately if the two are the, the pro comic skate people and the anti comic skate people are put up against one another the comic skate people will lose and that when you look at the uh watchmen in season one with the seventh calvary and you know they had the group they they had the politician federal and local um they had the police force behind them and everything but at the end of the day it was a small group against when you think about what they were trying to do and what they quote unquote wanted to preserve and everything like that that was a small group in comparison to the uh, population of the states now i mean if you extrapolate it then yeah it's a bit of a larger group but at the same time there are more people against you than who support you maybe you know what i'm saying maybe i that's me being a little pessimistic i i agree it's probably just kind of a very vocal minority when you really think about and that's what it is too like with the internet is a lot of the stuff you read online a lot of the things you look up it's not the people who are doing well or whatever who are writing about it it's the people who aren't happy right or who had an issue and that's why when you look up something like let's say you have a health scare or something like that so you go and you google bump on my elbow and you find a forum and all the forum is you know i have this bump on my elbow and it turned out to be blah 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 and all this stuff and it's all doom and gloom well, the only reason you're reading that is because the people who had that happen, the hundred comments who had that happen out of the eight billion people in the world are the ones who had the bump that turned out to be cancerous and wrote about it. The people who had the bump in the arm that went down overnight, they're not going to go online and say, hey, I had a bump on my arm, but it went away. The end. So what you see online, in a lot of cases, um, especially the stuff that gets tractions, are the is the negative stuff that people are writing about because that's just what we tend to do as people. Very much so. I mean, I can agree with that. I mean, there's definitely an echo chamber effect that happens online and that stuff gets amplified and it kind of goes outside of just the people who are talking to each other. But here's Mm -hmm. the concern and specific to this issue. The decision makers often find themselves through no real fault of their own, I suppose, wanting to avoid controversy because quite Mm -hmm. often controversy is bad for business. Right. So the way to avoid controversy is to revert to status quo. But status quo is not really a good representation of your audience. So although the decision makers may not personally agree with some of the more ridiculous things that groups like comic gates would say they not really doing anything about it that's not true it i mean obviously things are changing right right but um i know what you mean got it it's Thank not you. like a like an active vocal 
response, like a, a uniform response from all the publishing houses and stuff like that, denouncing it. And correct, it's not you know you don't you don't Google Comicsgate and you get like the first article was Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, blah blah blah, denounce Comicsgate and vow not to work with these artists. You don't get anything like that. But I think no, you get individual creators who mm-hmm. will opt out of working with certain places, Dynamite. Right. That's that's mm-hmm. how this came across my, my radar again. Right. All of the artists pulling out of their projects because of Dynamite's ties to Comicsgate. So it's mm-hmm. coming from that people making those individual decisions themselves. But that's a that's a huge sacrifice to have to make. Whereas no, someone with the power of, a, a you know, Marvel Comics or DC Comics, they got a little more sway than any individual creator might have. Mm. No, I get you. I get what you're saying. Um, I think I've read from people who are pro Comicsgate mentioning, you know, that they are complaining that they've been blacklisted by Marvel and DC and other companies from working with them. You know, it might be a position where I can't think what it's called, but it's like, you know, I support you, but I can't vocally say I support you. And that's kind of a, a cheap out. Fair enough. But it's not a perfect situation in, in combating it. It's not a, it's not a perfect situation and it won't be, and it never will be, you know, as long as, as long as there are people like this and who don't know how to be reasonable in their protest as a whole, as a majority, again, I will be diplomatic enough to know that there are varying levels of support for this, even within the, the community or their, their organization. So, these people who don't know how to be reasonable in their protest and if marvel and dc and the other the bigger companies have to delicately determine how to handle it for now i think that's better than turning a blind eye to it kind of i think going back and taking a step backwards is definitely not the right answer to the issue but also at the same time i think you know when you're when you're I won't say under attack like this, but when you're being accused like this and you're be, you have all these allegations about what you're doing, then that just means you have whatever it is you do, you have to do it that much better. So right. if they're saying that the lack of diversity and the hiring of quote unquote diversity hires, whether it's sex or race, is impacting comics for the negative, then you just got to make sure that you're putting out some of the best stuff that's ever been published. Yeah. I mean, even if it was a diversity hire and maybe it was, you know, maybe those things do happen. Yeah. Make it worth it. Yeah. Make it worth it. I was, yeah, maybe you hired me for this reason. You didn't take my skill into account, but guess what? I'm dope. And I'm going to show you. I'm here now. It's an amazing thing to, to take this deep, dive into such a heavy topic because outside looking in and and I guess coming full circle back to my my opening comments is comics on the outside look like they're for everybody for years for years comics were they went from being the must read to becoming more of a shameful thing in that if you're if you're into comic books you're into nerdy stuff and you know you're not you're a geek and 
all this, you know, all this other stuff, negative connotations with that to then saying, you know, if you're different, we want you, these stories are for you to now, you know, being a nerd and stuff is, is cool again. But on the outside looking in, comic books should be for everyone. There should be enough room for everyone to come into the space and find a place where, where they, a community and a place where they exist and can't exist peacefully and just enjoy the stories. And it's so funny. Like, I'm, it's hard to, to wrap my head around why it's such an issue. I don't have a difficult time figuring out what the issue is because the issues are certainly much larger than what could be discussed related to comics oh. and certainly not anything that we can we can cover in one episode. That's for sure. No, I know that. I'm just saying that the logistics of it doesn't make sense, because if you're arguing that these things are affecting the stories and it's all for for the fans you know, it's it's detracting from what the fans want and what the fans can get. But then you're, like you said, you're you're doing stuff that's representative of the readers. How is that a bad thing? Unless the only the only way it's bad is unless you're just pandering and putting out garbage. But I know that's not happening. I mean, they have some. There are some really talented people who are writing comic books. Right. She's dope. Yeah, I'm academically and. Um, artistically amazing, amazing artist. I'm trying to think of some others come to mind, but I just don't understand that disconnect and that. Well, I know, I, I know it's all bullcrap, but that's why it's hard for me to just understand the logic because I'm like your your argument's illogical in itself because you're right. contradicting whatever it is you believe by by arguing that this is a d- distraction or detraction from what you love. Oh, fucks. Well, I would say this, because like I said, there's no way we're <laughs> no, <laughs> there's no way we're tackling this in an episode. This but I the think iceberg, the tip of the iceberg, <laughs> no doubt about it. But I think it's a good start. And let me close out my comments on this by saying, though I specifically mentioned white men, I was using that group to make a point about privilege and power specific to the U.S., It's not me saying that I have any hatred toward people because I don't. I'm just kind of speaking to power dynamics and how that plays out. So just want to make that part clear. (laughs) And I just want to say, JB's a liar. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, I just want to say that I hope I don't come across as apologist or defensive or overly understanding. I just try to look at the position from both sides. Josh likes to see that there are fine people on both sides. That is not what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) That is that is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that this is one where it's it's not black and white. No pun intended. By pun intended, I mean, obviously, cartooning and inking, not race. But yeah, it's it's not black and white. No doubt. What you got for the people homework-wise, Josh? I do have some homework for you guys, which is probably pretty bad because I know we just talked about being in front of screens all the time. But I recently... (laughs) (laughs) uh, I recently rewatched a TV series that's near and dear to my heart. One of my favorite shows of all time. 
And if you have not seen it, I suggest you check it out. It's available for streaming on Amazon, Crackle, and a couple other sites too. Terminator, the Siricana Chronicles. Great show. It's 31 episodes. It's one of those shows that was gone before its time. But I think there are some really solid episodes in there. And I, there's some really interesting thoughts that have in the show, especially now in the, in the time we live in with AI and with AI becoming more advanced and uh, computing technology becoming super, super advanced and fast. So check out Terminator Siricana Chronicles. Definitely check it out. It's worth it. Thank you, Josh. For my side, I have a, well, I don't have it, but I'm suggesting it to you guys. Check out Short Fuse Media Group, indie artist, and it speaks pretty much to the issues that we were talking about this episode. It's, you know, a smaller house, obviously, uh, but some dope storytelling, dope art, and uh, you get an opportunity to see some work that represents all facets of the human condition. So... Check them out. Short Fuse Media Group. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for sticking with uh, us for another healthy conversation in the classroom. Fun, fun stuff this week. Kept it lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to get super serious next time. You know, as always, if your podcatcher allows you to, and I know it does because... I can see the Spotify and the Stitcher and the iTunes information. Leave us a rating or a review or both. We would really appreciate it. That's the the kind of stuff that really helps us to continue growing and finding an audience that likes what we do. Take a couple seconds how to do that. You know, I know you're not doing anything. You're at home and quarantining and (laughs) stuff like that. So (laughs) we'd, we'd really appreciate that. But if you want to talk to us, give us some feedback, which is always also appreciated. You can find us on Instagram at views from the back of the class underscore pod. You can find us on Twitter at the other N word. You can shoot us an email at viewspod at gmail.com, or you can call or text at 312-521-0527. We always want to hear from you, good, bad, or indifferent. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Tune in next week. And on that note, class dismissed.